Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Each week, we, Megan Daum and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission in order to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and bin Laden chic. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell. Ah, oh, Sarah. We have so much to discuss. Too feel much. like it's yeah. feel like it's been too long, um, but uh, yeah, I've had a weird week. I had a weird, um, a kind of weird thing happen, which is that this piece that I wrote in 1997, this piece that I published in the New Yorker in 1997, which was about um, this like online romance that I fell into in like 1996. Anyway, the piece was published in 97. And I know I will tell you more, but okay. um, if you want, uh, yeah. but it was like re-upped it. So suddenly like the piece popped up, the New Yorker just did some like email blast or something for like New Yorker classics. Oh. And it featured my piece. And suddenly it was like in everybody's mailbox and it was all over the place. And they had just sort of like recirculated it. Um, and it's, like really a time capsule in yeah. in so many ways. And, um, you know, it's like a long piece. I don't, you know, 5,000 words or something like that. And tremendous amount of work went into it. Um, and it's hilarious because people are referring to it as a post. People are like, oh, well, I read post, it. That was a great on- post. That was a great post. <laughs> yeah, and that's just, just how we think of things now. It's amazing yeah. because like, I mean... It, that was like a year of work. Like I wrote the piece and then I rewrote it and then I submitted it and back and forth. It's and just it was, a terminology. I now. know, like, but you don't it's have like, essays. It was posts. on like, you know, it was like mocked up on like, you know, di- gigantic, you know, typeset on, you know, stuck onto the wall and like copy edited and proof yeah, yeah, read it. Yeah. Copy no, that's just a onto the page. Okay. I know, but it's, Sign so of the times. strange. It's every political opinion is a take, no matter how I know well but, thought out. Uh, everything's a take and everything's a post. Yeah, I yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I do. You, would you feel like less pressure to um, like do a good job if you were just writing a post as opposed to a, a piece? No, I'm I'm like perfectionist about everything, I which know. is terrible. I wish That's I didn't true. because I. I need to be able to write more posts, but I, I don't because I, I'm like, I'm obsessive about things and it's terrible. It makes it so that I just don't, I write less. Somebody told me that that's the key to being like a blogger who, you know, writes frequently. It's just, you just have, you're going to write every day. You're going to Mm -hmm. publish it every day. And that's it. There's no, you can't give yourself an excuse to like, oh, let me research that a little bit more. Let me think about that a little bit more. You can't give yourself those kinds of excuses because otherwise it'll just never get out there. You know, I know people who have like multiple people who are sitting on books that they won't publish um, because it's just not ready. And it's like, well, well it'll never be ready. The good it needs news to be, is the, the books ready. probably get won't there. get published anyway in this climate. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, I know. But I feel like there's, you know, I, I, I've always said I feel like 90 percent of the discourse uh, is generated by 
opinions or takes put out by people who don't even necessarily think those things, but they just had to say something that day. They had to meet a deadline or they had to get every other op-ed in the New York Times. It's not necessary to be said. It's not necessary. And they only said it because they had to say something. So if we eliminated everything, but the things that people really felt had to be said, (laughs) we'd be a lot better off. Yeah. Um, we have to remind people to rate and review us. This does on, need to be said. On, this yes. needs to be said because Very we keep forgetting. I know. And we are slipping in in the rankings. And it's humiliating because this is all I have. You know, like, this is all I have. Th- your entire this self-worth is, is This is who I am this. now, a podcaster. And I need to be captured by this audience. Maybe we're just not being captured enough. Like, we, we need, if we would just do more of whatever they said, they would give us better reviews. We can pull yeah, and just... I know. We need to own the the libs or own the other. We need to own somebody. We need to own. We can own each other. Yeah. Well, oh, that's you, you, sweet. you own me. That we... There's no, no doubt that's about right. that. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Okay. So what do they need to do? They need to rate and review us. Yeah. They, rate and review us everywhere, please. Five stars if you like us. Um, and then uh, become a paying subscriber if you want more. Uh, we get we we come out with what like one extra podcast every other week or like two a month mm-hmm. um, for paying subscribers and they're pretty good. So if you want access to that, subscribe. Yeah. Okay. And uh, on just... at a special place. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so bad at this. Okay, a special place at Substack dot com, or we now have a Patreon, so you can look us up on Patreon as well. Um, and it's it's like the same thing except with Substack. You pay one dollar more a month, and you get access to the community. So that's like the extra perk on Substack only. Patreon, you'll just get the extra episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so do that. That's it. Do All that, right. and I will just quickly say I am offering another writing class uh, next, uh, early next year, personal essay and memoir from nice. January tenth through February fourteenth, six consecutive Wednesdays. So if you want to take that. Go to uh, my Substack or to the Unspeakeasy or whatever. It's not hard to find me. Yeah. Apply for the class by December 15th. You should take the class. Okay. But do I have to apply? Do I have to pay? Yes. You have to pay pay like twice as much. I have to pay twice. And you have to apply. But then I'll be like, this is how you, um, you know, get your, get over yourself and and publish your, just write your Substack posts. Okay. It's It's not a writing class. It's a posting class. Okay. You should call it that, actually. Posting 101. <laughs> Posting takes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I know. Aw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at us. joining. We're joining the 21st century. To hell no. Megan, come Over, on. I'm this is how you do it. With posts. Kicking and screaming. You're a podcaster. You're already there. You're, I mean, you're ahead mm-hmm. of the game, really. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So what What else? So another time capsule is the this... Uh, uh, a letter by Osama bin Laden that is nice back segue. up in yeah. yeah. Um, Osama bin Laden is he's back in the news. Back in the news, he was due. You know, like it's been, uh, it's time for a rehabilitation, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, um, comeback story, the comeback kid, Osama bin Laden. That should be the podcast title. I think that's great. <laughs> Osama bin Laden, the comeback kid. Um, yeah, he's he's being rediscovered. Literally by some people. I mean, I don't, he, I think a lot of people just didn't really, uh, were not aware of him. Um, yeah. So uh, it's this, um, I mean, 
what 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 can we say? We talk about his writing. The problem okay, is so, TikTok. Okay, so basically, so I can't figure out if this is a real problem or a manufactured problem, but it's definitely something people are talking about, which is that there's a TikTok trend of reading uh, Bin Laden's uh, manifesto uh, letter to America um, that he used to justify uh, murdering thousands of people uh, mm-hmm. on nine eleven. Uh, and this is being uh, sort of discovered as um, kind of like revelatory piece of political um, yeah. expression. Yeah. yeah. So it was published November 2002. So a long time ago. Took him a year it to write a, it. Did it? You more than, well, look, I mean, 9 well, 11. I mean, maybe, oh, no, yeah, or maybe more. Spot. Maybe he was writing it for years. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it, it, it is a translation from Arabic to, to English. Um, it was translated by Islamists, uh, in, in Britain and then, and then circulated. And well, I mean, maybe it's just some of it probably is, a f- you know, if you don't have a professional translator, it, you know, the language can come out really clumsy. Having said that he is definitely a bad writer. Um, aside from the subject matter itself, which we will get into, it's hard not to, you know, not to not to think of this writing is not. Maybe he should take a writing class. He definitely um, should. Or he should have. I mean, if he, if he weren't know, dead, if he, was, if he I weren't would, dead, I would is he dead? To him. Do we know that he's dead? I don't know if we know he that he's dead. <laughs> uh, maybe he's been to, dead. Uh, zero maybe. dark thirty. He's dead. That's <laughs> what I my basis of everything. So, but he could have he could have used your writing class because this was just very, um, you know, well, it, it was, it was t- kind of rambly. Kinda, it's kind of TLDR. Although people are seem to be apparently they're reading it, right? People are evidently reading it. It it uh, I I looked at it. I had never read it before. I it, it was exactly what I expected it to be. Um, but people on TikTok are reading it. Evidently, I mean, who knows how big it is? Who knows how many people are actually uh, looking into this? It might be one of those things where there's a Streisand effect, where you know a few people were reading it and getting uh, you know very worked up about it, and then more people started reading it because of the reaction to the first people reading it. Um, and mm-hmm. evidently these young people are being, are very, uh, they're amazed at the fact that this is, you know, there's a cogent argument there or what they call a cogent argument. Um, and they're, uh, uh, they're finding that it's causing existential crises in them and they're, you know, sharing it, sharing their feelings about it, having read it. And, you know, I watched their reactions, then I read the letter, and I'm thinking these people must, they must never read anything good in their lives. They must have <laughs> never encountered a good argument well, actually, ever if they think that this is this is good in any we, way. And we should say, I mean, th- this letter has a lot to do with occupation of Palestine. I mean, that's a why lot it's to come do. Up. I think that's why so, it's come back up, right? Because yes, that's how he starts. A, right. It's he's, yeah, he's it, like, why it, are we fighting and opposing you? Well, here are the reasons. But the first is just you attacked us and continue to attack us. Specifically, he starts out with Palestine and then he goes off um, about that and the Jews and all these, yeah, he you know, gives a whole just, history. He gives a whole history. When, right. when Muslims conquered Palestine and drove out the Romans, Palestine and Jerusalem returned to Islam. You know, it's kind of like a little, uh, revisionist complete, history complete idiot's kind of guide yeah, right. to, uh, the Middle East. I mean, and that's what it is to some degree that the people are so impressed by, by this. Um, Eric Hall had, uh, an, an interesting post post not not an essay not a 
a yeah. post on Substack. Um, he has a Substack called The Intrinsic Perspective. I would recommend it. It's 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 one of the more interesting um, Substacks I find. Uh, and he had a he had a post called Osama bin Laden's TikTok popularity is based on childish notions of evil, and that's uh, kind of what uh, what what he argues that there are people who just think, you know, he says, essentially what appears to be so shocking to TikTokers is that bin Laden offered justifications at all, that he painted himself as a good guy, that he thought he was morally justified and that he had reasons for doing what he did. Um, as one member of the trend said, this letter is so well-written and so reasonably structured an argument. Like you got to present your findings. You got to, you know, state your cause and all he that. He does like, use Roman numerals <laughs> as, um, you know, uh, 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 as outline. It's, you know, it does yeah. look very, and it does look very sort of official. It does kind of look like yeah. a legal brief. Ish. Yeah, yeah. So he he says, yeah. Uh, uh, Eric Hole says, yes, a lot worse. Sympathetic to the actual arguments he's making, since at least some of these critiques come from America's political left rather than the right. But um, realistically, do they actually agree with Bin Laden's claim that in the letter that AIDS is an American satanic invention, <laughs> or that nine eleven was justified because gambling is legal in America? I suspect not. I think part of their major shock is because bad guys, as we are told endlessly by our media, are just that bad unashamedly unashamedly so and therefore they never present reasonably structured arguments you know and that's i think that's kind of that was my initial take too that i think they're just surprised because there's a case to be made at all and i would add uh, you know in addition to that surprise that there's a case to be made at all they don't themselves have very strongly grounded arguments for what they believe in and they've never had to defend them. And if that's the case, then you, it's really easy to, you know, find something else and be very moved by it. You know, um, if you haven't encountered anyone that, that thinks differently than you and you've like really spent time thinking about the arguments that they're making, then really any stupid old argument can be very, uh, you know, interesting and thoughtful to you. So I think a lot of it is just that they're dumb. The TikTokers are. <laughs> that are recording these things they're just they're genuinely stupid people they don't know what a good argument is and that's why they're reading these patently stupid arguments and becoming very moved by it i think this is a problem with with zoomers altogether that they are just very divorced from the idea of making your case you know i think that they think in terms of good guys and bad guys they label people in specific ways and they're kind of this is their instinct because this is what's been happening in the culture around them from day one that this is a white supremacist this is a bigot this is a whatever and so we're not going to pay attention to what they have to say we're going to deplatform them we're going to remove them from from view and we're not going to you know of course we're not going to contend with what they're actually saying and so you have a generation that is that has never had to do that that has never felt the need to evaluate an argument because they know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And that's yeah. all you need to know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, bin Laden is a, is a Brown guy uh, who, who lives in a cave. So therefore he has uh, authority to, to speak. I mean, I do there, you know, and this, the sort of, you know, cat critiques of capitalism uh, in this letter. I mean, I'm, cu I'm curious though, because it's like, all over the place. And I'm wondering your thoughts on like who the, these TikTokers and whatever that means, because for all we know, there's 15 of them and they've just been amplified. Um, but you know, he talks about usury. You're a nation that, per, that permits usury, which has been forbidden by all the religion. You build your, yet you build your economy and investments on this. I mean, he talks about, um, Clinton's immoral acts. 
Um, he talks about, uh, like you just said, gambling. You are you are a nation that permits gambling on all its fronts. The companies practice this as well, resulting in the investments becoming active and criminals becoming rich. You are a nation that exploits women like consumer products or advertising tools calling upon customers to purchase them. Well, see, if, if he had lived long enough, he would have known that, you know, we've taken, you know, that into our own hands with only fans and such. So um, we've gotten away. We've eliminated the middleman. You know, he says you use women to serve passengers, visitors and strangers to increase your profit margins. You rant that you support the liberation of women. I mean, this is it's kind of a rad femme argument. It's all over the place. He picks yeah. and chooses There's different arguments for from different, yeah, from different political viewpoints. And that's this is kind of the it, it, it's common among dumb extremists to sort of just you know because he has a the real his real perspective is america bad we good that's his that's his real perspective now he's going to read a bunch of things and pick and choose all the arguments that he likes and adapt you know adopt them into his own worldview put them in down on the piece of paper here's a list of reasons why america's bad while clearly he has ignored everything else like he he read the feminist critique of of you know male chauvinism and, and porn culture do you think i bet he did he's actually fairly well read it seems like and you know he had like chomsky books and stuff like that in his um i think you it was think he his, read bell hooks talking about i don't know about bell hooks, but i think he capitalist patriarchy he was probably generally you know m- maybe not directly but indirectly uh familiar with some of these arguments but he didn't really totally fully take them into account he just picks and chooses the bits that he likes um and that's fairly common uh if you read extremist writings they're kind of like schizophrenic in this way where they don't they don't accept the worldview that's bringing the argument you know um in, in uh, forward but they will just take that argument because it's good for their worldview um and so i i found the p pe- the piece to be you know obviously really bad um but not totally surprising that you know dumb american you know gen zers find it interesting um um the reason that the uh, october 7th attacks on israeli citizens you know and like why the reason that shocked me and radicalized me so much wasn't so much wasn't the attack itself but the responses to the attacks by you know probably just a radical fringe but Young, you know, fairly seeming, seemingly, you know, modern young people uh, who were You're talking about in the Middle East. You're talking about in, in Palestine and elsewhere. Or are you talking about in the West? I'm talking about in the West. Oh, yeah. OK. In, in the West, like the, the 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 one tweet that went viral about this is what decolonialism looks like. Like, what did you think it was? You know, like this is like losers. This is what decolonialism looks like. <sighs> I think th- I mean, there was some of that. That was very, very frightening to me because it hearkened to the same kind of moral system that bin laden is actually uh, advocating for and holding and how he's how he's judging what is good and what is right which is this really simplistic sense of of uh what happened and you hurt us so we hurt you and it doesn't actually matter why you hurt us you know it doesn't matter that it's indirect it doesn't matter that it wasn't intended it doesn't even matter that it might not have happened. You know, it's just that it was felt to be felt to have happened. Uh, and 
it's kind of the difference between, you know, like manslaughter and murder. Mm-hmm. We in the West recognize that there is a there's a difference between accidentally killing somebody and intending to kill somebody. And we think that there's a difference between uh, it, it, the state of Israel, you know, bombing an area with civilians in it because they're trying to get militants and doing their best to try and evacuate civilians out of the area. Clearly, right. well, that's why we have the right? Geneva Convention. I mean, what's right. what is a war crime? How is that defined? And people can argue over that, but the fact is, it is pretty clearly laid out, right? And that you intend to kill specific people versus collateral yeah. damage, and they're making it, yeah, like, it, it, but but they don't see a difference between. And I remember this like immediately after the 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 October 7th attacks came out that there was justification that, well, how many, how many people has Israel killed in Palestine? How many Palestinian babies have been, have been killed? And I remember thinking, you cannot tell the difference. You know, you cannot tell the difference between manslaughter and murder. That's what's, that's what we're facing here. We're facing people who do not care about the difference either. And it, it speaks to kind of a loss of, just a very fundamental like moral framework that has really been um, what Western conception of, of right yeah, and wrong stands and on, you know? Right. And it feels to me, it's, it like smells like a kind of academic posturing. It's mm-hmm. coming out of a worldview that is entirely theoretical. Like these are people who sit around and think about things and have to come up with sort of more and more surprising or radical positions in order to write papers and kind of have something new to say. I mean, this is kind of getting back to the take thing. Like you've got to have a take. And so if their take is something that they've kind of constructed based on a kind of, you know, patchwork of moral concepts, it doesn't have anything to do with reality. Like the fact is that there's stuff that happened on the ground that is horrific and it happened in a particular way. And that is of no interest. It's kind of like, oh, well, don't bother me with, you know, sort of prosaic um, discussions of reality. Like I that's they, just for that's just for plebes and normies. I think for some of the young people, they are actually applying it to reality. And, it, and that's what's so horrifying about this, like that they they actually are able to look at the terrorist attacks and just skim over them you know and just say it doesn't matter because you know like it or it's it was justified because i can't see but okay how okay but wait so let's stop there because i part of me feels like they're doing that because they don't want to confront it i mean i know this is like a very sort of basic analysis but like what I don't under they do they want to just kind of on some level believe it didn't happen or they don't want to think about it because it I just think makes we have zero changed, sense, right? I mean, I think I think you're you're right to some degree, and I'm sure that there are some people who just don't want to face the horror of what happened. And you can sort of see this in the writing of like you can see the, the New York Times coverage of what's what's happening in 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 Gaza has just they just ignore that Hamas exists. You know, like it's just it's so incredible. Right. It's just Palestinian people, Palestinian people, Gazan children, Gazan children, Gazan children, and well, what about Hamas? You know, what about what about what they're trying to do there? Why is Israel there in the first place? And there just seems to be a, you know, I don't think it's a, I, I doubt it's deliberate, but I think there is an, a, there is an effort because they don't want to face what's actually happened, why they're actually there. So they just sort of talk around it. And I think that I, I saw the same thing happen with uh, the, the ter- terrorist attacks that nobody was willing to actually talk about 
what just happened and how horrible it was. And it was, and was it, you know, it, it, the details of it, forget about the details of it. They weren't even willing to talk about the fact of it or acknowledge the fact of it. And there has been a quite a bit of denial. I mean, some of the, there was a video going around of, you know, the, one of the women who was sh- sh- ripping off a poster. She seemed to just not believe that it actually happened. Yeah, like there's the, the, the not believe crowd. Quite a bit of that. And, yeah, there's different sort of avenues. Into there is some posters. Yeah, I think there is some of that. But I think that there's something more frightening, which is also like that one tweet of the woman who did acknowledge that it happened. Right. Like she was the 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 one who was like, what this is what decolonialism looks like. She did acknowledge it. You know, she did acknowledge that the attack happened and she justified it. And I, I think that's what's that's what to me is extremely terrifying because this is, I mean, he, in bin Laden's love letter, it's, um, uh, you have starved the Muslims of Iraq where children die every day. It is a wonder that more than 1.5 Iraqi, 1.5 million Iraqi children have died. Now this was before the war. Okay. So he's talking Mm -hmm. about before the war on terror. It's a wonder that more than 1.5 million Iraqi children have died as a result of your sanctions Mm-hmm. And you did not show concern. Yet when 3,000 of your own people die, the entire world rises and has not yet sat down. He's equivocating economic Equiv- sanctions. Equiv- 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 uh, equi- uh, he is equivalentizing. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, making, he is- <laughs> making equal. Equivocating. Um, equivocating. Oh no, he's not okay, equiv- yeah, equivocating. Is when you sort of uh, skirt the issue. He is. Um, equi- oh my God, what is the verb for that? You're right. Equivalizing. <laughs> Equivalentizing. Um, I'm going to be okay. an equivoc- equivocal, equivocal feminist. No okay. more equity feminist. Equivocal feminist. Equating. That's it. Equating. Equating. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> guys! Right. You got it here first. This is where you um, come for smart people talking. He, okay. But he's equating like. Uh, the indirect cost of sanctions, which we did for a reason. You know, there was a reason we impose economic sanctions on certain countries for, you know, we have reasons behind it and they can avoid it by not doing certain things. Right. Right. We don't have, they don't have a right to trade with us. (laughs) Like they don't, they don't have a, they don't have a, there's no moral right to that. And yet he's just like, well, as a result of your sanctions. Yeah. It's, it's a fact. This many kids have died. Intention doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. The intention doesn't matter. Why the context around it doesn't matter. All that matters is that to him, this many people died. And who, who, who is he going to paint, point the finger at? Not his own governments that could have avoided whatever, (laughs) like not, not, not his own people or or politics in his own country, but to us, you know, to, to, to Americans. It's an incredibly like insane way of looking at the world. And I see, you know, little, I see this like the, the blueprint of how he's a- approaching, you know, uh, morality within the mindset of our, you know, uh, decolonization. Yeah, it's a postmodern you know, blueprint. Scholars. I mean, yeah. it com- you know, nothing has any meaning. Or intention, it is. It doesn't matter what intention is. It's what is the effect. And then how is the effect defined? I mean, the other thing I was going to say, so I think that there are some people who probably don't want to believe that it happened. And then there's this whole sort of disembodiment of of the culture. Like, I think that, like, you know, the fact that you've got some people killed in the most horrific way that involved torture and long periods of bodily physical agony. Okay. So there's like that. And then to sort of equate it with collateral damage, which is of course also horrific, but 
just kind of it's not the same. It really but, is not the same. And I think, as I a response, to, I mean, why exactly. is Israel and I, there? But I, think like, there's, I think that this has to do almost with like the disembodied character of a lot of people's human experiences at this point. Like yeah. the idea that somebody would parachute into a concert and then take up or, you know, come into your kibbutz and take up knives and carve up your body while you're still alive. That requires like a concept of your body. Yeah. And I yeah. think that is gone for yeah. a lot of people. Like in, if it doesn't happen to them specifically, like they can't imagine it. I mean, I know I'm being very sort of theoretical here, but I think that this is part of just what's a, happening. Part of, maybe it, we're just, there's so much LARP, you know, that's going around. Yeah. There's, and everybody's kind of participating in it. I think there was a time where, you know, we were not as involved in the politics of like, the, the rest of the world. I mean, you couldn't see as a as a young person, you couldn't hear from voices in different parts of the world on TikTok and see their faces and feel, you know, uh, a connection to them that is probably not really real, but, you know, you, you feel it nonetheless. But y you didn't have this sense of like fake involvement. And, like you didn't have this feeling that you knew what was happening on the ground in certain places. Right. Um, you knew that there was a distance between what you were seeing and hearing and what was actually going on simply because the medium was not as, uh, you know, it, it was not as immediate no. and there were, there was the intermediary that was your newspaper, you know, yeah. and you would get it, you would hear the news of something that happened in, in, you know, Israel or Palestine weeks maybe after it actually happened after the u.s reporters heard and then they cor corrected a story and then they created something like a piece and they fact checked and whatever and then you got the news and it was somewhat delayed from when it actually happened so that created like a, a distance there and you couldn't mm -hmm. larp in the same way you know you it was events of another country that you were reading about and you were keeping it in that context but now i think that that this like fake uh intimacy that we have through the internet allows us to have this really yeah it's a incorrect fake distorted like a total yeah a fake a total i mean it's as if we're all um you know what is that syndrome where you're like too attached to uh celebrity figures and uh parasocial oh, parasocial it's like, it's like parasocial it, relationship with terror well it, i think it's we're, we're all in par we're in a parasocial climate in general mm -hmm. you know what i mean not like this is how we are dealing with our politics are parasocial. Our, you know, yeah. Everything about it is is bizarre in a way that we have not encountered before. And I think that it's going to bamboozle young people who have never had anything else to compare it to. You know, like this is the first, this is how they're approaching the conflict. So many of the, like the Zoomers that I talked to about this issue, they have literally no idea about anything else, any of the other contexts, all they're talking about are the TikTok videos and, you know, the bombings by Israel, because that is the only thing they know, you know, and, and this is real people you're talking to in real life. Like, yeah, I'm curious, yeah, what are you, yes. how are, how are, how is this going? Like, what do they say exactly? I try to stay out of the conflict, like discussion of the conflict when it comes to family members, but sometimes you can't avoid it. Um, and, you know, just sort of younger people, I know it's mostly through family, um, an extended family and kind of on the periphery and listening into their conversations. And sometimes it's, you know, friends or friends of friends, you know, kids of friends, that kind of thing. And I'm, it just feels to me that, you know, there's a kind of a, so, so there's the uh, kind of an ethno nationalist reason for supporting Palestine or Israel that makes sense to everybody, right? Like if you're, you know, kind of from a, if you're Palestinian, if you're Israeli, makes sense. 
uh, why your sympathies are where they are, even outside of what the truth of the situation is. Um, But for people who shouldn't really have such close, you know, personal biases about it, it's interesting how they're evaluating the situation and what media they're using and what you know uh what what are the facts that they're pulling together to to paint this picture in their head and when you talk to older people they have a conception of israel that is obviously far 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 broader because they remember you know like all these they they remember the wars they've remembered what israel's done not done they remember that in there was an occup that there was a full-fledged like israel's on the ground occupation and then israel left and then hamas was elected they remember that at the historical context mm-hmm. but young people do not remember that they can't know that they didn't live through it you know so they just see this very decontextualized you know yeah they've been bit. handed a memo that there's an occupation going on and they're running it's as it. if right it's as if you know you're looking at this bin laden letter it's as if all you heard was that america killed 1.5 iraqi children and you didn't know that it was he's talking about economic sa- sanctions you didn't you know you didn't know about any of the details right. surrounding it all you knew is that they killed that and they that, can't read through you know. his his hyperbole this kind of rhetoric i mean this comes down to this like media literacy argument like i think p- kids people need to know how to what to know what is bullshit i mean but how really, can you, you they know that how can they know they that need to if, ta- if the new york times is doing it then how can you know i mean they if, need to if, be taught by their teachers in school of course but who i mean but look if the new york times is themselves participating in this like weirdly decontextualized view of the conflict um and this is the best we have you know even then their coverage is fairly good even that like compared to you know everybody else around them um tiktok is just partisan garbage it's just like and on both sides genuinely like you just should not be on tiktok you should not be watching it um but if that's what they're looking at who who has the authority to give media literacy in a time where the media themselves are so deeply partisan where the educators themselves are no, so deeply I know. partisan. It's a, where... it's a feedback loop. I mean, it's a complete legitimacy crisis. I feel yeah. this myself. Yeah. And I'm not a young person. I yeah. do not know what to believe. I, I honestly wake up every day and sadly I look at Twitter. I should probably just stop looking at Twitter altogether. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. What am I looking at? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh I cannot imagine what it would be like to be 20 years old and not know anything any different. I mean, well, that's what I mean, that's what this all this information has gotten us, though. You know, I mean, this is a the ironic consequence. Is it ironic? Um, but okay, it, it, this is it, it, the consequence of having actually having so much available to us, so much data and information available yeah. to us. Um, without having any kind of the mechanisms, social or you know, biological or you know, and psychological of dealing with it, and so you are actually thinking there's just too much. Like there's just too mm-hmm. there's too much, yeah. and nothing is real. Actually, nothing is real. <laughs> yeah, and, it's um, a paradox. It's this sort of paradox of information. Yeah, like, yeah, and I think that that's where we are. The more you have, the less you have, in a way. Yeah, yeah. The more you have, the less of a grounding on what's going on. You have, you know, and some of that is just simply this is obviously this is the. It, it it's true that 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 would happen even legitimately like if you know like you know let's say you know a lot about biology or whatever the more you know about biology the more you are impressed with how complex things are but it's also like how we're coming to um how 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 this information is coming to us the re- speed and the rate at it, at which it's coming to us 
and our inability to synthesize it in any kind of logical way yeah that is just creating just a storm in our in our heads i think it's um it's deep it frightens me a lot <laughs> yeah because and- it, how we know what we know is the foundation of everything you know like if we cannot even agree on the reality of the ground on the ground which i can't with you know is, is some of the younger people i can't i can't agree with them on what is true then i can't gr- agree with them on anything because politics is based on top of a shared understanding of what yeah. is true to some degree to some degree and if we don't share any understanding then we can't even talk we can only go to war I know. And I mean, so much of the way people sort of organize their thoughts and opinions have to do with almost like being a fan of certain things. I mean, yeah. there's the me, there are memes and then there's fandom yeah. and I'm going to attach myself to this person. I'm going to attach myself to this kind of character or, and I'm going to be part of this subculture that has organized itself around this particular kind of person. And I mean, it makes sense that people would do that. Like you, you sort of, you substitute, you know, if, if you don't have a kind of baseline truth, you're going to substitute that with like social ties that are, you know, organized around fiction almost. I mean, I thought it was, um, I mean, Osama bin Laden. I mean, it's, <laughs> the the way that we joke about him now is really says something because I mean, he was absolutely like reviled and and horrifying figure. uh, You know, I never, I don't think I ever really hated him. I kind of hated the ideology he was following, but. Well, yeah. Right. He was the villain of, of, of 9-11. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for sure. But I mean, he is such, um, he's a very, he's, he's rife for riffing. Let's just put it that way. I mean, just the way he looks and he lived in a cave and, you know, this is, this is the mythology. In the end, he was him. caught in a nice house. I mean, yeah, in he the was end, caught he wasn't. For, he nice was... for there. I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I there, think it's... but, you know, it was okay. But, but, um, so this, the, Katie Herzog put out a, a tweet. Um, this is hilarious. Uh, she wrote, um, Osama bin Laden pluses. Okay. So these are what's good about him. Uh, polyamorous. Okay. He had, he had five wives. Uh, she says family man. He had between 20 and 26 children, uh, bearded. Um, so he would be like very, you know, this is like a very hip guy. Um, tall. Uh, he was between mm. six, four and six, six brown. Wow. He's a brown person. So definitely check that box. Mostly vegetarian. Traveled the world, uh, wide array of interests, poetry, mm. horses, soccer, jihad, uh, in the, in, in the minus category, baby boomer. That was it. So, um, yeah. And she, and she Nepo asked, baby, like, Nepo, she yes. Well, that, so she, she asked should. people, that was her initial list. And then she asked people to help her add to the list. And, um, the replies were just, uh, some of them are great. So somebody says independent thinker is best known for his deconstructionist practice, despite his family background in constru- in construction. <laughs> so the Bin Laden family were a very rich uh, Saudi Saudi uh, family in the construction business. Um, okay, uh, high energy. Okay, <laughs> this guy goes from high to low. This guy just made a, a very funny deconstructionist joke. Uh, and then he says, high energy. When people mention him, they usually say it was a blast. This guy's good on the dad jokes. Uh, <laughs> loves nature, lived out in the mountains in a tiny house for a while, made of 100% non-industrial material. Huh. Um, yeah. Um, he had bad kidneys and had to undergo dialysis in caves. 
uh, multilingual. Uh, somebody said serial killer. Somebody said based. Yeah. Was he based? I don't know. Would you say that this, uh, the, yeah. the manifesto based. is based? Uh, Carrie it's, Cash. I mean, it, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Oh, this is good. Wrote an op-ed for Teen Vogue titled Letter to America. <laughs> was that was the manifesto originally published in Teen Vogue? I think it, I, I think I it might have been. I, Definitely it pub- should have been excerpted. Everywhere. I'm sure they would have excerpted it. Uh, three names. Yep. Uh, he's and- a he he. Look, he he he's an environmentalist. He even says that you mm-hmm. have destroyed nature with your industrial waste and gases more than any other nation in history. Despite this, you refuse to sign the Kyoto Agreement so you can secure the yeah. profit of your greedy companies. Environmentalist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, influencer who left humdrum nine to five late capitalism to live nomadic. Quote hashtag van life. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, but but the, I, look, we're engaging in it too. We're engaging in this like LARP. No, I'm reading the witty responses. I'm reading the witty responses from people, and I, I have to say, th- these responses sort of give me hope for. Like people's ability to have, you know, irony and humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause th- these are very funny. Unbeatable at Jenga. For some reason, that was funny. Is he? Well, I, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't uh, know what that is means. That, is that looks, a, is that looks a... younger as he ages? I always thought, um, you know, I used to joke about this, uh, I mean, you know, I have this whole thing. I think a, a lot of dictators are sort of, you know, and, and terrorists are sort of surprisingly hot. I mean, I've said many times that Saddam Hussein. You have said this many times. During his trial, um, yes. he really cleaned up nicely. And uh, Osama bin Laden, he always had very soulful eyes. Yeah, he did he, have he nice really, eyes. But I, really I, I don't I, I, I don't share your 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 love of these. I, th- I think maybe. No, I mean the, of, uh, of Saddam Hussein. Well, Muammar Gaddafi I think Castro, was very hot in his younger days. I think Castro was the only hot one. Like, I think he was the really? only. Really? What about yeah, Stalin? Fidel, Fidel was the only hot one. No, when you look at Fidel young, you're like, he's hot. And he kind of like stayed hot for a while, actually. Fidel? Even in his like, kind of old man age. Mm-hmm. And then he got really old. And then, of course, you're like disintegrating at that point. But but, but I think Fidel was the only one that I would actually categorize as swoon worthy. But, really? but I see it what depends on your I see type. What you mean. I see it depends what you mean. on depends on what you're into. I mean, yeah. young Joseph Stalin had a kind of a Johnny Depp quality. He did. There's that one really good picture, but I don't know. I mean, maybe so everyone can take one really hot picture, you know. Meanwhile, with Fidel, you have lots of like you have different angles, so you know that I he know. was good looking. He would have been good on YouTube. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Fidel Castro. So podcast. do you? So the 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 one conspiracy theory that I totally buy is that um, Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's like baby. That's the oh. one completely bonkers like tin tin foil hat thing where I'm like, hmm, I don't know, I don't know. Looks a lot like him, actually. Um, and his as dad a, as a, as opposed to Pierre Trudeau, he doesn't look like Pierre Trudeau. He, he doesn't look like, like Pierre. And, they, and, and does that it was does that all, add, their whole marriage sense, is really like, odd. It does, does make actually because they were they were like mm. uh, his family was the the the, the uh, Trudeaus were in Cuba, I think, or something, or they were like holidaying oh. or there, or yeah, oh. they were they were like friends with Fidel. So it was like it like lines up. Okay, this is so crazy. Obviously, don't believe me, people. This is disinformation. I'm spreading disinformation, but I like it, so okay. I'm going to keep doing it. I like this specific crazy story but you should look at the pictures man he looks so much like fidel wow looks so okay. much like fidel okay 
And Pierre was kind of like an old man or whatever when his wife married him. This is exactly like like, a a, like a Ronan Farrow and Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's, it is same, same thing. Old man, you would think he doesn't have it in him anymore, but you know the, the yeah. I mean, it, per, you know, pilfered his sperm. Who yeah, knows? I mean, people. So, so people. Here's the the pushback against why that's that's. I mean, there's, oh, there's obviously pushback? crazy for a lot of reasons, but here's the reason why it's like might actually be super wrong because it, people say that about Obama too. They say that Obama looked nothing like his dad, and it's true that Obama's facial features are not very much like his dad, but they're obviously very much like his grandfather's. Like if you look at pictures of his grandfather, that's who Obama of, of his like father's it. father, you mean not his, of his term. mother's father, of R- his mother's. R- well, father. but he also looks like his mother. Yeah. He Obama? looks exactly, he looks like his mother and he looks like his, his paternal or his maternal. Yeah. But that doesn't say anything about his, so, who, his pater- who his father was. No, but so what they were trying to do is they're trying to get his like facial features out from somewhere. They're like, Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't look like his dad. So where is he getting this particular, like longer oh. kind of face? Where is he getting it? And it's like, he's getting it from his mom's side. Like he's just, he just, he's just like his mom's dad. Like he's just mm-hmm. like his, his, his maternal okay. grandfather, but with darker skin and like, you know, African hair. That's what, that's what he looks like. Um, so he doesn't need a new dad to explain it, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, Osama bin Laden, uh, you know, becomes the, the Che Guevara of, of the moment. If they're going to be like Osama bin Laden t-shirts and it's going to be the, the new, it's like, uh, a, it's like a kafia, but a guy. Mm-hmm. The funny, the I mean, there was a lot of funny things about this this letter, but um, uh, one of the ones. So he mentions Guantanamo um, as this historical embarrassment to America and its values, you know, and it screams in your faces, you hypocrite, you know, like okay, so that's that's how he he characterizes Guantanamo as uh, a hypocrisy first and okay. foremost. Okay, um, but what is the worst thing uh, that has happened? Um, <clears throat> who can forget? The food? Uh, no, just <laughs> what is the worst thing that he calls? Like, what is the uh, uh, our embar- a national embarrassment? Uh, oh, he says, "Who can forget? Long list. Who can forget your C- President Clinton's immoral acts committed in the o- official Oval Office? After that, you did not even bring him to account, other than then that he made a mistake. After which everything passed with no punishment. Is there a worse kind of event for which your name will go down in history and remembered by nations? Is there a worse kind of event than that? I mean." He mentions Gitmo, right? Like later on, they should have called him millions the, of the star report. Iraqi they, babies they dead. They should have called but... Osama bin Laden to uh, when they were prosecuting Clinton. This is uh, the worst. Is there a worse kind of event, Megan? Can you imagine anything worse? I, I wonder if uh, what Monica Lewinsky would have to say about Osama bin Laden. I mean. It's true. She she's got, very interesting. She, she person, got dragged. Really I know. I, she's, a she's a hero. She's a hero. She she yeah. ref, she all did not want to uh, talk, and she, she was didn't really talk, sc- and then... really screwed over by women. Mm-hmm. She should come on our on our podcast. Ah, she'd be a perfect. I know. know I think I I read a piece of hers or uh, featuring her. I think yes, of hers, and it was great. She was a yeah. very very interesting person. She, she was like the original canceled person. Mm-hmm. before yeah, there was yeah. uh yeah but um i don't know so osama uh pe- people should people should move on because he's not all that he's not all he's, that he's not he's all not that ladies. you, you can do better straight come on yeah. like just he's, 
He's it's not, so embarrassing. It's so I mean, embarrassing. I know. He, this is just, like the state of American education. That's what it is, is that you read this garbage, badly written garbage. But and, he's brown. Look, Sarah, what do you expect? He's brown. He's not a white guy. He's not going to write that well. For a brown just, guy, it's pretty damn I'm good. Sure I'm surprised there, that there he are didn't get nominated writings. for the National Book Award. Well, yeah. yeah or, you know? I mean, At, look. Uh, Megan, don't speak. You're, you're speaking too soon. It's just made the it's just come back around you know the comeback kid is just coming back around yeah so we don't know i mean it's we don't not know where fair. He'll be. he's you're you're judging him by white supremacist standards and uh considering that all he has had to overcome uh this is pretty good it's kind of complete sentences and he uses roman numerals or at least his translator did so um that is exceptional mm-hmm. okay all right so what else do we have to what else do we have on our um uh list of takedowns what are, what what is i don't know i mean it was a big week in gender but do we care do we I care i mean i i always care but of course we care um, we should stop pretending like we don't care we should stop pretending like we don't want to talk about it because obviously we're dying to talk about it no i know we should just we should just own it um yes so um i mean there were a couple well there was a big conference of genspect uh, which is um really interesting organization that has been calling for more nuance uh, and facts in the uh, discussions around gender, especially gender youth medicine. And they had a really successful conference in Denver, uh, but there was a kerfuffle because um, an AGP guy uh, showed up and uh, was wearing a kind of fancy dress revealing dress yeah it's like uh tearing apart the turfs they're all the, the community is, yeah is, there's is... a turf breakdown <laughs> um i i laugh but i you know it, yeah well really no good. so basically yeah this guy named phil illy um that's i-l-l-y so he is um he's a he identifies as an autogynophile and he's written a book that um talks about his conception of agp um, and he actually redefines it as auto heterosexuality. Um, and he did not speak at the conference or sell his book there. He was just a regular attendee. Um, but I guess somebody snapped a photo with him and posted it, uh, on social media and all the, the various turfs who were, um, maybe in attendance or maybe not in attendance, uh, reacted and said that this was an unsafe situation at the conference because just by definition of being an autogynophile, he would have been aroused by his very presence there in address and therefore forcing everybody else to participate in his fetish. Um, and there were men and women at this conference, we should say. So I don't know. I'm actually ag- agnostic on this one. Yeah, I, I, I had a take, um, on Twitter and I don't like, I don't, I, I mean, I'm glad I'm not, this is not a community that I'm like a part of. I'm just sort of on the periphery. That's kind of nice. Like, cause I spent so much of my like activist career being very much at the center of a community. Yeah, you, you got to stay in your lane. And it yeah. was, no, but it was, it was, it was, it, it, it was terrible. Like I hated it. And it's, it's so hard to like be objective or, you know, stop and just be able to think about something when, uh, you're a part of things in that kind of very direct way. Um, I f- feel like I did a good job, but it took a lot out of me and it was, you know, not fun the way it's kind of fun uh, being a bystander and like 
cheering or booing or whatever, like as it, uh, you know, as things, as things happen. But I, I think that, um, in terms of this guy, I do feel like there was something about what he was wearing. So he happens to wear this very blue dress. It's a very kind of a, uh, I, I don't think it was incredibly scandalous of a dress. No, it was kind of um, a bad, it wasn't a very nice dress. I mean, he, it wasn't I, I, a nice, it, probably others have worn it better. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put it that way. But it also didn't belong at a conference. Like there was, it was definitely not an academic, con- if you were just saying that men can wear dresses and women can wear right. suits and it's fine, then, well, I don't think anyone would be wearing that. At a no, it was like, like a it was ball kind gown. Of inappropriate. It was yeah. the kind of thing you should wear if you're a contestant on The Bachelor. Yeah, he had like gloves on, that like both good, hands. Actually. So I did feel like contextually like given where he was it was inappropriate for the context outside of the fact that he's an autogonophile it was just inappropriate for the context and then the fact that he is an autogonophile really does change how one feels about the fact that he actually went out of his way to wear something that was not appropriate in that environment even on a woman and you know, knowing that he is an autogonophile, knowing that everybody else knows that he's an autogonophile. And it's so there's a lot of like c- contextual elements of it that make me feel like it was probably it wasn't appropriate for him to wear that. I don't know how predatory it was, but it was probably inappropriate for him to wear that. Um, it might be predatory. I think the people who are calling it out uh, and saying that this was just this should not be allowed. Um are are you know they're not crazy because there's a at, at the very least you can advocate for a standard of, of professionalism in any given context and this was a professional context you yeah know, well you, it's how conference. you dress i mean you're business casual right B- business casual and it's a kind of a sexualized thing and cross-dressing in that context in particular you know in that sexualized way when you are an agp like says something you know there's a there's there's you're communicating something to many people in that context in particular. And I felt that he, he chose, I mean, at the very least the dress should have been different. You know, if he was going to, if he had to wear a dress, it should have been a more dowdy dress. This should have been a more professional well, dress. You know, th- that's the thing too, like with these AGPs, um, the way that it's so interesting, like what they find is erotic to wear. Like, yeah. Cause yeah. if you're like f- women, like you feel sexy. It doesn't, you don't have to have like a sexy outfit on to feel sexy. Like you could wear yeah. jeans and a t-shirt and feel. Well, it's cause so, cause, cause their arousal is rooted in the connection right. to femininity. Right. So we don't have our arousal is not rooted in our, the fact that we are females. It's rooted in something outside of it. Like what's happening and there's a sexy situation or whatever. And then you can be hot in anything. Um, but so he doesn't feel hot totally naked for example the way that a lot of women would feel might feel hot if they are hot you know mm-hmm. um they might feel like that's a very se- that's an extremely sexualized context and they feel very sexy that way because they have great bodies or whatever but obviously agps do not feel super sexy naked because they don't look like women naked um and it's a different kind of a situation that's why the dress is important that's why the dress and their connection to femaleness the yeah. fact that you know gloves especially gloves are a very feminine thing they're very heavily yeah, female the coded were, and that's why it turns weird on. there yeah i know uh, it's, it's it's anything that is female coded the more female coded it is and the less likely a man is to wear that thing the more they're turned on they are yeah. by it you know like so yeah. laces that's why lace is such a thing because lace is something only women do men don't do at all so it doesn't matter even if most women don't find it all that 
super sexy. An autogonophile would because it's a heavily female coded thing. Right. I mean, this is like why drag queens dress the way they do. They're not drag queens are not just dressing up as women in a business suit. In a right. Suit. Right. Like they're not Hillary. Like they're, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but I do, I, I, I do have a hard time sort of with this just like extreme policing. You yeah. Know, there's a, too. there's a new purity policing in yeah. the, in the gender critical movement that I guess it's, in, been, it's inevitable. On, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's going to implode. Right. Course. I know. I know. Like, that's why I mean, so that's why I'm hesitant to even engage with this community because although I'm with them in like ideologically, I agree with much of what they have to say, not all of it, but like much of what they have to say. Uh, the reason I don't want to get in part of it because, because it, feminist communities are reality denying. They are and they are policing and they are very like they're not free speech spaces. They're not honest conversation spaces. They just happen to be right on this issue. They happen to see clearly what's happening now, but it's not because they have something fundamental about how they engage that will make them more likely to be right the next time. They're not going, you know, there's no, uh, you know, if you have the right kind of framework for thinking about the world, then you will be right many times. If you have a wrong framework, you can be, well, a broken clock, you know, is right twice you a day think that's that, what's gonna you think on. that feminist spaces are by definition reality denying to some degree they're definitely not reality oriented they're definitely not free speech oriented like that's they're harm and harm reduction oriented and that feminist can mean a lot of spaces. things i mean feminist oh. spaces hmm. i mean would you say feminist spaces a- are very um uh well, what do you, how do you define feminist space? I mean, if you're talking about like stuff on Tumblr, yeah. No, I'm talking about any feminist but, space. I mean, I mean, but feminist space, that's a very broad term. And actually, you how know, are you thinking it, about a feminist space? Like, uh, what it would be a feminist space? I you mean, think my that- definition of, of feminist is somebody who thinks that men and women should have equal rights uh, under the law and equal opportunities. So uh, that's my right. very old fashioned so definition. Um, so that's kind of like most people. Um, and I think most people, I mean, I think that's a kind of pop feminism that was very common in, you know, like 20 years ago and is much less common now. The pop feminism of today has shifted into something much broader than that. And it's become closer in line aligned to academic feminism. Broader than which that is, or narrower than that? Uh, broader in that it is further reaching, like in its goals and claims. You know what I mean? Like it's making claims about the way men and women are. It's making claims about, like you said specifically, legal rights, social, like uh, you said, yeah, legal and I mean, equality. A lot of they're expanding that, it to social. And equality. a lot of that did have to do with acknowledging reality that women had, you know, needed protected spaces because of the realities of physical difference. Right. So I think so, that in this in this case alone, um, I do see like. I'm grateful to see that there are people who are talking about what's real, but I think that this is, this is not something I see in feminist spaces across the board. This is just something I happen to see from them right now. And I think Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a, a a consequence of the fact that this really is a movement that is harmful to women. Like there, there actually are a lot of things that women are as a class are going to lose. um, If the, you know, trans train continues on, um, on its course. So for them to recognize this, I mean, there's obviously a self like, uh, you know, 
protective instinct that's coming on. And for that reason, they are starting to, they're, they're being very, very clear about reality. But when it is not in their interest to recognize it, they do not recognize it. <laughs> you know, they're quick to say that everything is pa- uh, patriarchy and everything is misogyny, even when there's clear evidence that it that it isn't or doesn't need to be yeah, the, sole yeah. con- I, the, right. the sole reason that something happens. Right. It's interesting. I was uh, re- reading something recently and um, like Louise Perry was referred to as a feminist thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. So I feel like there's, you know, there's kind of these new, I wonder if like people like us will be referred to as kind of feminist um I don't know. Um, I don't know what the feminist project is. I mean, it depends on how you define it. If it's simply equality in the law, then okay, I'm like largely on board. Um, I'm actually not on board in every single instance. You know, I'm not on board. I don't think women should be in the front lines of combat. I don't think that should like I don't think that should be no and I think there probably are feminists who think that I guess this is like largely a semantic problem like how do you again like how do you define feminism because I mean you could you could argue that like looking at the reality of hormonal birth control is part of the feminist project because look at what big pharma has sold us and this is harming women and this is controlling our bodies I mean you can twist you can twist it ideas to any right any way you want i mean mary harrington talks about how hormonal birth control is is uh you know in the in the drinking water now and uh maybe maybe puberty when they're young i mean maybe that's true i mean uh, frankly like with the gender stuff it has crossed my mind that maybe there is something quote unquote in the water maybe there are hormones in <laughs> this our... is how we all turn into alex jones this well, is what alex no, said. he was maybe, right but i think there might look i don't think no that, I, I agree with you i think I it's agree with worth I, I think it's the people who want to talk about that in an intelligent way should not be dismissed because there's no yeah. doubt that there's hormones in the food that we eat and factory farming probably yep. is contributing to early there's onset, a lot of things. earlier onset puberty and all kinds of things there are a lot of plastics everywhere and they're, they're they're endocrine disruptors and there's this is not a crazy conspiracy there is some truth to it and yeah. we might find out uh as we come to know more about our environment that it, it that it is true that it, there have been some serious uh, consequences to us as biological beings because of the hormones that we're ingesting. I wouldn't, I don't, I don't dismiss that at all. And I think that those concerns are, you know, I, I just don't know enough about it for sure to, to make a strong claim. Well, I am wary of you. it. I, I'm absolutely wary of it. And I'm wary of it enough that I have stopped uh, with uh, plastic consumption. Using birth and, control, like, please well, don't, Sarah. I, I've we never, can't I've never, any, we can't have any more disruptions to this podcast, please. I, well, I, I'm um, going to come over and, and stick sorry, a plant in you. Okay. Please. That's going to be, I mean, we need it for our Patreon. God. They would like it. If I, I mean, if I was pregnant, would they, they, they would probably enjoy it, wouldn't they? No. They don't really um, want to be Do you think they would get their sympathy or they would feel, I mean, really, it's like falling down. Yeah, but there's the a, then, then there's the male audience like that we're trying to capture on YouTube and, and they're going to be upset about it. Oh, um, you'd have to be like Diana Fleischman and, and show off your hugely pregnant belly on the on the YouTube. On yeah, the absolutely. I mean, you got to pay me a lot more for that. She did it for free, but not I me. know. Uh, okay, so <laughs> she's a cheap date. <laughs> what? So what else? Um, 
do we have to say about this issue? I, I, well, I do think that one of the issues, um, like w- w- one of the factors that is not being sufficiently discussed when it comes to the AGPs and their behavior, and in the case of this specific AGP and why I have a little bit of sympathy um, for him is that I think he... Th- th- Men do think differently about sex. You know, men actually do have different levels of what constitutes threat for them. You know, so it, when they are engaging in something that seems pervy and gross to us, like they are, uh, it, the, the intentions, I mean, we're talking about intentions, right? Throughout this podcast, intentions matter. And I think that because men are biologically programmed to approach sex in a very different way than females approach it, it will necessarily be the case that they, do not necessarily see the harm of certain things. Like it is not as clear to them that this is creepy. This is weird. Stop it. You know, like it's not, the harm isn't as evident to them. It needs to be sometimes really like, it, it needs to be pushed on them by society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. society needs to take on the interest. Well, women it's also, I mean, this like, idea women that are creeped out by women this. are like, the, are the sort of moral check on men, right? Like yeah. women are the sexual gatekeepers. And I mean, there is this whole idea, which probably Osama bin Laden would agree with, <laughs> that, that men need to be sort yeah. of reined in. Um, no, he thinks women need to be hidden away so that men can go about their right. business without That's having true. to That's be reined true. in. Um, but I mean, isn't the idea that, well, but you kind of, you can look at that both ways. Men are so unable to control themselves yeah. that I mean, he women thinks have that- to put the brakes on whether it's scolding them or hiding themselves. Uh, so he doesn't, he doesn't even put the input impetus on women, you know, like that's not how their society looks at, at no, at I know what I know. women are. It's do you think men control your own women and hide them. And then <laughs> do you think there's going to be a kind of um, intersection between the uh, TikTok Osama fans and the trads? There already is. There yeah. already is like the far right, the far online right has been sympathetic to Islam for a very long time. And I've noticed it for a very long time, like like years and years of seeing it on like so the more like right wing kind of accounts like Cernovich types where they had this, mm. uh, this, this sort of begrudging respect for Islam. I mean, they it, it wasn't even all that they weren't even hiding it. They were just sort of saying, well, this is a base religion. You know, this is a oh my God. trad. This they, is a very trad religion. Like, they have some, I mean, look, look, look at what they say about women. So you remember the, um, who was it that, that it was in it was in the UK, I believe. Um, there were these posters. It was kind of a troll uh, that somebody did. I forget who, but they uh, put put these posters all up around town that said um, Islam is right about women. Mm, great. <laughs> which, which you know, depending on it's offensive. In it, I love that that it's it's offensive in a lot of ways. You know, and depending on who you are, it's offensive in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. So there's. Uh, yeah you know you're a lefty you would say islam is great for women you know islam is a feminist religion and all that <sighs> and then but you know that what they're saying you you still as a lefty want to take this poster down because you know that wasn't their intention but in any case um uh it it, it the, there was this kind of public conversion of andrew tate mm-hmm into yeah, Islam. Yeah. I mean, who knows how real that is, but it was kind of a political <laughs> conversion. It was interesting. I think we should talk about this in our bonus episode because I want to talk about Ayan's um, conversion yes. to Christianity, Ayan Husseli's, um conversion. I have a lot to say about that. And uh, that's a whole nother conversation, though. But I 
it's interesting. It is uh, the religion of of the 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 Chads in in many ways, right? It's a very alpha. It's an alpha faith. Islam, um, yeah, is the religion of Chads. Um, they know how to yes, treat their women. Yes, they're yes. kings of their castles. Yeah, well, they're they're not beta cucks. Let's they're put not it that cucks. Way. Yeah, they're not cucks. Um, yeah, so but a lot of them are kind of incels, which is why they act the way they do. So. Are they? You think they are? I mean, in yeah. the sense that they literally, yeah, I think a lot, getting... yeah, a lot of the jihadists, yeah, because they can't, they are disenfranchised and they can't like get it together, and so they act out this way. I mean, of mm-hmm. course. So, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah. Right. See, you could any of this you could look at either way. You could have a take in either direction. And well, you be, could say the incels are attracted to Islam because they see it as a Chad religion, so they convert to it in order to be more Chad. Right, know, but in order even to, like, the, reclaim yeah, their but masculinity. The ones that don't. Right, but the like, ones that are already in the Middle East in those countries, like the, I would imagine. Those aren't. The, I wouldn't the call ones them that incels. Are, the, really, yeah. the ones that are drawn to jihad. I mean, isn't there not a? No, they're different. Okay. All right. I mean, I read um, a book uh, by, uh, by Carla power called um, Homeland security a couple mm. of years ago. And she mm. talked about just sort of different avenues that people um, took into jihad um, in, in the middle East and also even in the West in places in America. And a lot of it was just kind of guys who were lost um, I mean, that's but, so that's a kind of a, that's a claim you can make about every movement ever, at, you know, f- no matter yeah. what. And it's so, so it's kind of a nonsense thing to talk about too much because it it's true of many it's tr- it's true of many politically extremist movements that you will have lost men that are attracted to them. So what you have to what, what's really relevant is what else is different, you know, like what else is like what else is going on. But I don't think that the jihadi from the West is the same kind of person as the jihadi from the East. I don't think it's the same type. Um, and I don't think it's comparable I, in the same way okay. because well, you're not rebelling in the same way if you're in Pakistan and then you become a jihadi in the way that you're not rebelling against your society. You're not rebelling against what was like, how would you be an incel from in Pakistan when you're going to get arranged marriage when you're 20 anyway, and you're going to have a wife who has to submit to you for the rest but of But is life? everybody, look, I mean this, I'm not arguing with you, you know, more than I do, but like, I'm thinking, I mean, Meg Smaker in her film, um, which is now called the redacted, it follows these guys that were in Guantanamo actually, and then put in a rehabilitation center because they were jihadists and their lives, you know, kind of, it's a little bit does follow this sort of thing. I, I don't know, but you look, you know, you know more than I. So, um, I mean, just, many of them have families, you know, many of them have like many jihadists uh, yes, have, have yes. long, big families. I mean, it's not a, it, I think it's a different, I think it's a different kind of uh, type. Although of course you can see a, a, a bigger representation of a certain kind of alienated male in all, in all extremists, extremist contexts, Yeah, but it doesn't need to be like a beta cuck alienated in the same way necessarily. And it doesn't. Even, I mean, if you look at some of the 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 head honcho terrorists, you know, like if you look at the and you read about their lives, yeah, yes, they are, you know, are intelligent the, those are people, the, the generals, um, yes, of course. yeah, and they, and they had good lives. They were educated. They were they had communities that supported them, and they were just true believers, really. Um, uh, and 
So there's there are many different typologies. Yeah, although I mean, I think you could also make the argument that Christianity is a big Chad religion. I mean, it's kind of the man of the house. No or, way. Okay, of course. All right. Wait, let's, let's man of the house. I mean, it in its you know in many incarnations. Uh, yeah, sure. Up until I mean, wait, I mean, hey, look, Christian societies became this way. All right, Christian societies are now the societies of you know like. Uh, rainbow jihad or whatever like so that's in the last how, what 10 yeah years. but Come then on. you you can't be that chad if you like some you know kind of like how chad are you uh, if everybody if they took over anyway come on, you know there's like, like italian italian patriarchs and there's all kinds of you know just the the construction of the christian family is yeah, very sure. much back in the day back in the best. day but it wasn't that long ba- ago back in the day but there is their argument is that there's something weak about christianity there's something about Christianity that led to where we are, you know, because we are seeing within Christian societies uh, a, you know, a, a a kind of new, like modern way of looking at the individual yeah, that okay. is very different than what Christianity right. would see. So maybe there's something about like this is what how, what the theory goes. And I, to some degree, I agree with it. And I talked about it a little bit in my post on um, is Christianity woke um or is woke christian like it, it, it is woke wokeism uniquely christian i talked about that in my on my Substack. um i think there is something about the christian religion that sort of opens up the possibilities for a lot of different paths including this one um and that is not you know i'm not i don't mean that if as a you on, adhere uh, to on, i mean on, i there's a lot of different ways to be a christian i mean if you adhere right right to, right but i'm talking i'm talking about yeah. the i'm talking about the 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 I'm talking about the philosophy, that the foundational philosophy, you know, and there's a lot. So there are a lot of people who who will say, um, I mean, Tom Holland says things like this, similar to this, not exactly this, but but there are many people who argue that you the, the modern conception of human rights is something that can only have come from Christian like a, a Christian foundation. A Judeo-Christian of, foundation. Not Judeo-Christian. Just really? Christian. Yeah. Uh, a, really? Judeo-Christian is a new term. Um, okay. uh, and I don't even know if it's sensical, like it doesn't really make a lot of, it doesn't make sense to me. What, what are they talking about? What about Judaism is like, ideologically, I think it's worth separating. I think it's a political, that's a political term, um, okay. that evangelicals use, but it is, it, there is something about, you know, the, the, the philosophy of Christianity that, um, opened up pathways for what would eventually become you know human a, a kind of humanist understanding of people um and therefore things like individual rights things like human rights like these sort of conceptions so people will argue and i don't think it's i don't think it's completely the case that this must be the path that we we needed to take to get to human rights and civil liberties it there are other paths that 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 could lead here as well, um, but I do generally buy the theory that uh, that that Christianity is more open um, to this way of conceiving the self in a way that Islam is very closed. So just okay. contrasting okay. it based no, on no, like no, that, other that makes sense. That makes sense. Although the the Islam is a religion of peace, people would. Right. But like, I mean, it's so fundamental. Just 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 starting from the the fundamental difference that Christianity, secularism is possible in a Christian context. You can argue for it. You can argue it based on the Bible. You know, you can argue it based off of Christian thinkers that secularism is something that is valuable and is is Christian, actually. Um, So there's a possibility there. But with 
Islam, for example, the state and the and 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 the church are one and must be one and the right. same. And so if if you then say, okay, there there cannot be the possibility of secularism in a Muslim context that can be undergirded by Muslim theology, like by by Islam itself, then I mean, obviously, it's a harder path to get secularism in Muslim in Muslim societies. It's a tougher thing for them to accept. So that was that's sort of um, where I'm coming from. There. Okay, anyway, all right. Well, this is this is your wheelhouse. We're going on I'm for not too gonna, long anyway. I'm not going to take the wheels off here. Can you can you guys please band. subscribe? Please subscribe um, to to our Substack, um, and you know this keeps the lights on because otherwise we wouldn't even like uh, what would we be doing? No, I mean we would have to be doing this from a cave. We would have to be writing manifestos and like having right. a bunch of bunch of porn VHS cassettes lying around. <laughs> have a lot of wives working as interns. He would, would like have that. he would have built like the biggest media empire. He would have been in the IDW like big time. Osama bin. You Long. think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um He was definitely heterodox. I mean, mis- what, yeah, he was. That's true. He was Firebrand. Uh, he was an edge lord. Mm. The original. So, it's too bad. Like, too bad he uh he died before his time. Anyway. All right. Rest in peace. Um, All right, everyone. Uh, yeah. Take care. Too. <laughs> <laughs> rest in peace, everyone. I'm not okay. Going. Okay. All right. All right.